Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Making Sense of It All with Jesse Stakes. This week, I'm bringing you my conversation with Bob McKenzie of McKenzie HR. Bob has been in the human resources side of business in various roles since 1977. In 2002, he founded McKinsey HR, where they focus on providing full-service human resources for small and medium-sized businesses. Bob is a great resource and a tremendous professional in the HR field. I feel very fortunate to have the opportunity to speak with him this week, so I hope you enjoy my conversation. Without further ado, I give you Bob McKinsey. Let's jump into it. So, Bob, tell my audience a little bit about McKinsey HR and what you guys do today. Uh, today, <laughs> well, we got kind of hit with the uh, pandemic uh, as, as far as because a lot of our rest, uh, a lot of our clients were restaurants. And uh, so I kind of changed things, but I do a lot of webinars right now. Uh, but I also do a, quite a bit of consulting work. I mean, I've, I've been an expert witness. Recently, I've done some audits. I've do, uh, been working on I-9 audits uh, quite a bit. But we're basically a full-service human resource management company. And we take usually small to medium-sized companies, and we kind of act as their outsourced human resource department in all aspects of HR. Very good. So you guys have been in business for quite some time. So as McKinsey HR, you guys started in 2002, correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. So what is it? So you, you mentioned that the pandemic changed things a little bit for you guys. What did the business look like before versus kind of what does it now? Well, we did have a few employees at the time, um, but what ended up happening, a lot of our clients were restaurants. And when the pandemic hit, especially in the Jacksonville area, they were only allowed to do uh, uh, takeout or curbside pickup. And their employment level went from about 25 to 30 per store. And we had about 15 different locations that we were uh, working with to about five or six. And they just needed to cut some costs. And it made made perfect sense to me uh, why they uh, decided to move on. So, uh, you know, I had to change my uh, outlook on what the business was going to be. So uh, basically, I'm on my own at this point. That makes perfect sense. And I think that, you know, technology has allowed business in general to be done a little simpler and with a with a little few more hands in the or a little less hands in the pot. So now I think that makes a lot of sense. Tell me a little bit. How did you get started? Well, I went to school. I started, you know, I went to college. Um, I went to Ryder University now it was Ryder College then. Um, majoring in management because I you know what do you know at 18 I really didn't know what I was going to do uh so I majored in management the area was management and organizational behavior and with that we had to take some uh labor relations courses so uh, I took these labor relations courses and it's really weird because organizational behavior is all theoretical stuff 
whereas labor relations were like real stuff that happened in a lot of case studies and court uh, decisions and those types of things. And uh, I liked that much better. Uh, so I stayed with it. Um, when I graduated, I got a job with North American Phillips Lighting Corporation in Heightstown, New Jersey, and uh, worked there as uh, uh, their, like an HR assistant or personnel okay. assistant or whatever you want to call it at the time. Uh, so, yeah, I was doing a lot of things with um, communications. I, I, I wrote their newsletter. Uh, they were a pretty good sized company, too. Um, it was Norelco light bulbs, if you ever heard of them. Uh, but uh, they, uh, yeah, and I did a lot of employee relations and a lot of different things. So I kind of got into a generalist uh, mindset there. I also wrote all their affirmative action plans. That was my first job. Um, but uh, I, I enjoyed it. I left there and I went to fight unions uh, in Philadelphia. Uh, so, and then economy really went downhill and I just picked up and moved to Florida and that and uh, uh, about two years ago I moved up to, to um, Brunswick Georgia where I live now okay I feel like fighting unions that could be that could be a book you'd write one day <laughs> <laughs> well it's funny because uh, I guess by the time I was 25 years old I probably had more union busting experience than uh, most of the people in the country but I really haven't come across them since. So, um, but it, the, the the laws are still the same at this point. So, um, yeah, well, it's something I can pick up and do very easily. So, so when you you started your company in two thousand and two, was that did that kind of fall in line with you moving to Florida, or was it something that you did prior to moving to Florida? Oh uh, no, I did. I moved to Florida back in the trying to think i moved to jacksonville in 96 okay uh, so it was about 84 or so when i moved to uh, uh south florida and lived there for 12 years um but what ended up happening is um i got a job i was working for the jacksonville transportation authority but i got a job with a consulting firm and uh i realized at that point that i was pretty good at it and so uh i mean we had clients calling and asking for me. Uh, so I decided in 2002, it was right after 9-11. Um, okay. And, and uh, I kind of dabbled in it for a couple of months, but then went full-time really in, in January of 2022. Very good. Was it a, was it an easy, tr easy transition for you or did it, was it, was it tough going from an employee to signing your own checks? Uh, it was difficult at first, but uh, I want to tell you, starting your own business is not easy. Uh, but I just, you know, another thing that happened is I was downsized like six times by the time I was 45. And, okay. you know, I'm just, as a sole, sole um, support of my family, I knew I had to take control and kind of do it on my own. So that's how I got started. Uh, got involved in the Jacksonville Small Business uh network at uh, UNF. Uh, yes, sir. And got a lot of clients that way uh, and just kind of grew from there. That was going to be my next question is how, you know, it's, I know that's putting your sales hat on there for a second, but, but the, 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 the small business resource network at UNF, I know that there are tremendous people over there and it's a great resource for, for, for local businesses in the Jacksonville, Florida area. Uh, what other ways did you generate business? I know that they, 
I'm sure they supplied some, but you had to, you probably had to put your feet on the street for others. Oh yeah. We had to kind of like uh, do some cold calling and I was very bad at it. Um, <laughs> but the other part of that was, uh, I, 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 I'm a decent writer. So I started putting together monthly newsletters and okay. sending them out. And I had about two, 2,500 people on my mailing list. And, uh, that always generated some business. Now, I didn't write it as a sales pitch. I tried to write it as some uh, advice that they could use. Yeah. Uh, so, in, so instead of trying to do sales pitch, it was just advice. And if they called me based on that, then yeah. But, so I thought that that actually worked better than outright sales pitches. No doubt. I always feel like people love to people like to choose who they do business with. They don't like to be told who to do business with. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so you still write- most of it, most most of my business was networking and and referrals, and that's yeah. kind of how it works. Do you still write? Is it? Is, is do you put out a I newsletter? Not. Still? I have okay. not. In fact, I kind of like ran into all kinds of issues back in nineteen. No, I'm sorry, nineteen twenty fourteen, and uh, yeah, I. I don't know. I was just in a, a different place. I just ran out of ideas. To okay. Be quite honest with you. Mm-hmm. Might be might be another book idea. Take take there a look. I, I think it would. <laughs> so so talk to me a little bit about how how things have changed. Like you, COVID changed a lot of things, especially for the restaurant right. industry. Mm-hmm. But for you in your company, what are you doing today that you weren't doing three years ago? You know, I think with the uh, webinars, I'm able to reach out to a lot more people that, you know, at, at one one point in time. I'm working with a number of companies that do the marketing, you know, for me, and then they pay me to do the facilitation. So I'm doing probably 12 to 15 um, webinars a month on a lot of different HR topics. Uh, but one of the things that I'm trying to get out to, to the word out is number one, you've got to make sure that you understand what you have to do from a compliance standpoint. And a long time ago, I saw uh, a lot of companies come to me and say that they were not in compliance with completing I-9 forms. Well, then I go to find out that uh, the, the small business administration, when they lend money, don't tell companies where they have to be in compliance. So sure. the big, the biggest thing were the I nines, and I saw an organization that was, you know, a small one that was fined uh, over fifty thousand dollars, you know, because they didn't know they had to do their I nines. So right. that's just one thing that's important. The other part of that is wage an hour, okay? Where you you have rules, regulations, guidelines on what constitutes an exempt or a salaried employee, and you know, who has to be paid overtime. And pretty much every organization in the in the country is under the auspices of uh, wage and hour laws. I um, mean, as soon as you get involved in interstate commerce, like we're in interstate commerce right now, you're in Florida, I'm in Georgia, okay? So therefore our businesses, if we had, would have to uh, abide by, you know, Fair Labor Standards Act or wage and hour guidelines and rules. So not to get into the weeds there at all, but I feel like sometimes the government has made that clear as mud because you look at some of these companies, some large companies, 
and they look like they have W-2 employees, yet you hear that they'll 1099 employees. Do, do you feel like that the, that the advice or the direction of, from the government when it comes to that for business owners is clear? Or do no. you feel like that there's room for interpretation? <laughs> <laughs> it's not necessarily. Yeah, there is interpretation. I mean, first of all, they don't really um, publicize what you have to do. Okay. Right. You have to kind of go and take a look and seek out what the rules are if you don't know what they are. Uh, and that's kind of dangerous because you're not going to sit there and say, oh, oh, well, you know, I've got somebody over here that's a computer technician that fixes all my computers and I'm going to pay them, you know, $500 a week. Okay. As a salary. Well, guess what? That's not legal. Okay. Mm-hmm. That. So how do we know that? The other thing that you were talking about was the 1099 and making everybody an independent contractor. Uh, to, before you do that, okay, there's rules with that. IRS has their own rules and the Department of Labor has their own rules. So you've got to kind of look at both to make sure that you are doing that. Whenever I say somebody is an independent contractor, okay, you've got to also know that basically they're in business for themselves. Right. So when you're contracting with someone, the biggest thing that they have that, you know, the regulators are going to be looking at is whether or not they have an opportunity for profit and loss. OK. Uh, and then what ends up happening a lot is that you have this independent contractor who loses the job. OK. Co- tries to collect unemployment and nothing was uh, uh, contributed to their unemployment account. And so right. now they come back and then now the problem with that is then unemployment can come in, take a look at it and say, hey, uh, this, this was an employee. You should have been paying unemployment all along. So now you got some back stuff and some fines and penalties you got to pay. Plus, you might have to pay for this person's unemployment compensation. So, you know, that's something to uh, under, to know. And I've I've had clients a couple of times run into that. Was that another unintended consequence of COVID-19 and this pandemic as well? I mean, I think there was a, a number of people filing unemployment claims that didn't necessarily qualify for them, but it seemed like the government was just granting anybody who applied for it unemployment. Well, that is more than unemployment. It had to do with the PPP loans and a lot of other things that uh, happened. But the independent contractor thing was not a part of the necessarily a part of the uh, pandemic. But I think there was a lot of fraud and right. there was, and they're, you know, they're still trying to clean some of that up, but uh, you know, it just was done so quickly and so haphazardly that, you know, anybody could, could apply for these uh, PPP loans and many people did and, and didn't deserve them. Right. Well, and another thing that, that, you know, the last few years have given rise to, you know, people call it the gig economy or people call it, you know, I mean, you you got all these people driving for Uber or even just trying to operate independently. I'll I'll use the CPA example. I had had done an interview with a CPA not that long ago where they talked about the fact that people no longer want to be a W-2 employee of a CPA firm. They would rather be contracted for the the actual job or the actual, you know, the, the... the task that they're being asked to do and specialize. Um, are you seeing a lot of that? Are you seeing a number of people kind of try to go out on their own and maybe do something that used to be a W-2 
wage job for say a CPA firm or any, you know, any industry, but they're trying to make that their own thing, or they're trying to create a business out of something that used to be a job. Yeah, we're starting to see that the gig economy is is, is huge, and more and more, uh, I guess the the people coming out of college today, you're seeing them starting their own business much more than they would working for a large organization. You really don't want to be part of a large organization, and they want to have some control. Uh, so. Yeah, we're starting to see a lot of that. But what I would recommend that they do, okay, if they want to do that kind of thing, um, get a business license, okay? A local business license doesn't cost much, okay? Then it, you have that separation, okay? Because what's happening, a lot of people are trying to do, uh, uh, the, become an independent contractor, but they didn't do the homework to make sure that they qualify as an independent right. contract, okay? So they don't have to get necessarily get a federal ID number, but it's probably a good idea to do that. Uh, you can work with your social security card, but I would also recommend you talk to some business attorneys, accountants, or that kind of thing on how to set up a business. But the idea here on that is, is if they do have their own business, uh, then it's just easier to get around all the little rules at that point. Right. Well, and I, to your point, there's, there are, there is some red tape to doing so. And I think sometimes when people don't understand the process, they back away from it and they turn a blind eye to it rather than hitting it head on. And to your point, setting up correctly so that they don't step in those pitfalls along the way. And all of a sudden, Two, three years from now, Uncle Sam knocks on your door and says, hey, you didn't do this correctly and you owe me X amount of dollars. Yeah, you don't <laughs> want that. <laughs> right? You don't want that. But, you know, you were talking about the Small Business Resource Network, but it's also the, uh, what is it, the Small Business Development Center they have at UNF. Um, yes, sir. Go to them. Ask them. They're, they're the experts. And it doesn't cost anything to do that. So if you're thinking about starting a business, go to the experts first, okay? And if you want to be in that gig economy, uh, then be in that gig economy, but do it correctly. Um, so I, I'm thinking that, you know, we're, we're going to see some pushback from Uber, you know, and those kinds of places. Um, and you're starting to see that already. But I think that we're going to, you know, uh, we, we got to wait and see how that kind of pans itself out. Right. Well, and to kind of piggyback on that, I think you're seeing it from Uber. You're seeing, you're seeing, uh, Lawsuits filed where people want the benefits of being an employee since they've been driving for Uber out west. You see a lot of the the hotel um, lobbyists are trying to push for some of these Airbnbs to be taxed like a hotel right. rather than to people mm -hmm. benefiting from just renting at a home. Uh, right. There's all kinds of I think there's all kinds of headwinds that are starting to pop up for some of these smaller businesses. Um, so I agree. I think that there's a there's a there's a lot to this story, and I think that we're, we're going to learn as we go here. So, Bob, if people want to learn more about you and your company, where can they find you guys? Oh, they can just uh, take, email me. Uh, my email address is bobm at mckenziehr.com, and uh, I'll give you all the information you need. Great. Bob, I really appreciate you jumping on the show and helping my audience make sense of it all. Okay. You know, I feel like it deserves to be acknowledged. 
Mr. McKinsey was named the 2012 Ultimate Human Resources Executive of the Year by the Jacksonville Business Journal, and he also won the Entrepreneur Anchor Magazine's Man of Steel Award for his contributions to the small business community in the city of Jacksonville. He doesn't do it as much today, but he was a regular contributor to articles for many publications throughout his career as well. If you can't tell, I really enjoy speaking with Bob, and I always feel like I get something from him. I always feel like I learned something. I hope you did too. That's going to wrap us up for today. I'll catch you guys next time.